Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to Shop Volume. I'm Nick Ashbourne with Anthony Petrelli, and today we have to start in Edmonton. Anthony, on a scale of minor panic to sort of like looting in the streets and fires burning all over Edmonton, what do you think is the appropriate level of panic for this Oilers team, which is sitting just above the San Jose Sharks in the standings right now? And uh, if they lose to the Sharks in their next game, they would literally be could be classified as the worst team in the NHL. Obviously, that's like a little bit unfair, but that's how dire things are in Edmonton. I think it's there's a couple things. Like it's it's a it's not as straightforward as a question as as always, right? Why would we ask easy questions? I think there should be some legit concern because I mean, they're 2 8 and 1. Like that's a terrible start. Like, like you'll need to play really good hockey the rest of the way to have an 100 plus point season at the, at this point. So that in and of itself is concerning. Like they have dug themselves a hole here and it's a legitimate one. It's not a three game losing streak hole. Like it's a pretty bad record over, you know, an eighth of the season hole. Like you can't ignore that. But on the flip side, I mean, one, I don't think that they're this bad of a hockey team. I don't think anyone does. And the second point is I don't think the West is particularly strong. So that's why I can't panic too much with them yet like I'm almost channeling that Evander Kane after their first few bad games where he said like he kind of mockingly was talking about the skies falling and I was like well maybe you should be careful what you say like get things back on track before you talk about it but I just I don't think you can ignore how bad the west is in this conversation I think if they were in the east they like the concern level should be like a seven but because they're in the west it's maybe like a six or borderline five yeah, and the division they're in, the conference they're in, is meaningful. To get to sort of even 95 points, which people tend to think of as kind of the baseline to make the playoffs, that's an 104-point pace for them. Like, they're coming off a season where they were significantly better than that, and you've got basically the same cast of characters. So it's not crazy to think that, you know, making the playoffs isn't too difficult for them. And then having that 100-point season, you know, you push that further, like that is a real challenge at this point. But that's probably good enough to get you into that top three slot in the division. There's sort of two things happening, right? Like on one hand, there's the offense isn't there to the same degree. Like last year, this was the most dangerous offense in the NHL, scoring close to four goals a game. This year, it's 2.64 right now. 
And a lot of it is that they haven't gotten it from that top two guys, right? Like Dreisaitl and McDavid have combined for just seven goals this season. You know, last year, and I know that McDavid has been banged up a little bit. This isn't a like Barry McDavid moment by any means. But last year, those guys were giving them like one and a half goals a game on average. And this year, it's closer to half that. So that's a big d- difference offensively. The You have to think that's going to come even back. Even on that note, I'd add too, like McDavid is on pace to have his lowest shot put of his career since his rookie season. And like, I know he's hurt, but like, he's like actively not hunting his shot the way he was last. I'm sure the injury plays a role in it. I don't think McDavid became an instantly worse hockey player than last year, but like, to your point, like I I do think it's a little deeper than just like, Oh, like these, you know, and he's legitimately not shooting the way that he was. Yeah, he doesn't he doesn't look as good, frankly. Like he doesn't look as yeah. good as he I mean, that's an incredibly high standard, right? To be like, yeah. oh, he doesn't look as good as he did in that historic, incredible 150 point season. You know, even if you go and look at some of the new tracking data, like he doesn't have the same amount of speed as he did last year. He hasn't shown it. He doesn't have the same amount of just distance covered. Like it's just a little bit less dynamic across the board with him early early days like again with the context of the injury it's all it's important to keep all that in mind like you have to believe that Edmonton's offense is going to come back to being pretty good like the thing that's a little bit concerning is the power play is already good there isn't that much room for growth they need to do better at five on five so that's that's tougher than just saying oh this power play will click in the other side of it though that is tougher is is the goaltending like it's what people talked about coming into the season in the season it's been brutal you know, they just wave Jack Campbell. And that's the part where it's hard to just sort of wave it away and say, oh, this will just get better. Like, it'll get better in the sense that it's just been so, it's been like below NHL level. So it will get better to an extent. But the degree it gets better is kind of unclear here because it is very difficult to find goaltending solutions. And right now, the thing that they're doing is kind of counting on Stuart Skinner to be the guy that he was during the regular season last year. And he's not a guy with a huge track record. I don't, I'm not saying that he's not talented. Like he has decent draft pedigree. He had a good run up to the AHL before he came. Like he, it's not like he came out of absolutely nowhere before last year, but he's not a guy that you say, Oh, okay. Stuart Sander is going to figure it out. He's going to give us above average goaltending. I think you just don't really know with him. And that has to be concerning for Edmonton. Yeah, I thought the start obviously is something that we wanted to wanted to do: come out hard, come out strong, uh, and we did that. Um, letting a couple goals pretty quick, and it kind of just uh, killed us a bit. And uh, game moved on. And we ended up losing. Is it's tough loss. Yeah, I think I can do a lot better to help my team out. Um, I'm the goalie. My job's to stop the puck, and I let in six. So that's not a good recipe to win games. It's always easy to go back to goaltending, right? Like end of the day, it's it's always a lightning rod, and and it has been a problem. No one can deny that their their goaltending has not been up to snuff. But like it should be respectable enough. I I think it'll rebound to some degree. To your point, like Stuart Skinner is good. Like I know I see all the numbers of their team controlling play and. Um, I think some games, the goaltending piece has been a bit overblown against Vancouver. The last game when they're up like 19 to three in shots and they're losing three, one, it wasn't 19 to three. I think it was 19 to seven at that point, they were up 19 to three at one point and it was one, one, and you can just feel (laughs) like the deflation in them, right? Like they were dominating that first period. They looked awesome. Like they, they did everything you would want a team to do. 
and they came out of it losing and they're you know it's a it's a fragile team at the moment it just feels like they need something to go right like they need to just get the ball rolling to some degree and like everyone just needs to you know, we talked about Vander Kane saying like the sky's not falling. It's like like they like they do need to calm down, but they need something to caught co- like good to happen to cause them to calm down. Like it can't just be like let's just calm down and play hockey. They at this point it sound it seems like they need a breakthrough. I think on the power play note too, like you mentioned, their power play is already good, which is obviously is true. Like their power play is not going to fall off a cliff, but there's something to be said about like they had a historically good power play last year and any sort of drop back in that it hurts them like they're not like they the power play is a big deal for that team and having just like a regular top five to ten power play like how much is that going to hurt them yeah i mean it might not be enough like it it was such a driver of their success last year and they finished so strong with it like you know, they got Ekholm at the end of last year and they went on this huge run in the regular season. The playoff run wasn't what they expected to be, right? But people saw this team and then they thought, you know, here's a power play. The defense has been shored up a little bit. We like what Skinner did during last regular season, even if the playoffs wasn't ideal. Like, how many people picked the Oilers to win the Stanley Cup? Like, it, there's tons not and me, tons but of a lot. Not me, not me. My <laughs> my Rangers looking good. I mean, they're looking fine. Whatever. The record. They look good. like a wagon. I, the I think the Rangers look really good. They're looking really good defensively, but like as always, like and yeah. that's neither here nor there. But it is they they leaned on a power play last year, and again because the characters involved, McDavid, Drysdale, like these guys are so good that's easy to say, oh well, of course it's going to be that good again because they have these ingredients and the guys are incredible. And that gap between where they are this year, I think they're yeah they're top ten unit, and that historical unit last year. It is it is meaningful, and it, there's no sure thing that they're going to find that extra seven percent. I think is that's the gap they're looking at right now. Like that's that's not a guarantee. If anything, it's always been fair to assume that they're going to come back down to earth to some degree. Just because whenever someone produces an outlier result like they did last year, the fairest thing to assume is it's going to come down to earth to some extent. But they might, yeah, they might need that level of gas right now with that offense that is, yeah, we're talking, you know, 1.3 goals a game less than last year. Again, this is a small sample and they have, you're right. They have been controlling the, like if you look at any of those numbers about shot share, expected goals, scoring chances, five on five, like it all looks really good. Like they, they have generally carried the play. They're all of their games against the Canucks, like the one you're describing, like all the games against Canucks can be described that way. Like they've been Thatcher Demko a lot this season. That's not going to happen every night. Uh, but it is it's a it's a bit of a dicey situation for them because teams this good just don't start this like this bad. it is only 11 yeah, games bad. but like you just don't see it like you don't see stanley cup contending level teams start like this like they that doesn't mean it's impossible for them to get back on track but there's a reason what we're seeing right now is so rare Anthony, we were just talking about the Edmonton Oilers and they've become a team spotlighted in the league for requiring a little goaltending help. Like they just waived Jack Campbell with that, you know, that contract attachment that's kind of nasty. Stuart Skinner hasn't performed the season. And so you've got a team that wants to contend and they're out in the market potentially looking for goaltending and everyone's drawing up a million fake trades for them. And it occurs to me that they're, a lot has changed in the goaltending market because there was a time when you're in this spot, the Oilers are in right now or any team that needs goaltending. 
And you can sort of look around the league and you can find that guy who is the backup for another team who is stuck behind a good goaltender. Maybe he's playing 25 games a year or something like that. But you've you found a little bit of a sample on him. You think, oh, this guy has potential to be a number one. And that was a really good route to finding a goaltender. You find another team's backup, whether that backup is stuck, whether that backup is young and ascending and you believe in them. That was a way to do it because other teams felt like they were going to start their number one guy 55, 60 games a year. And as a result, getting something valuable for their backup goalie, a a position they didn't really prioritize, was beneficial to them. Like, oh, well, let's get a prospect and a second round pick and some kind of depth forward for this guy that we don't really play. And you look around the league now at what the Oilers or again, any other team in this position can do. And it seems a lot more limited because the way people are treating goaltending has changed. People want to have, whether it's a 1A, 1B, or there's a definitive starter backup, the idea of having two goaltenders you can trust seems to hold a lot more weight in the NHL now than it did, I don't know, 20 years ago. And so if you're the Oilers and you're knocking on doors and you're asking about other people's backup goaltenders, it seems like that lane has closed a little bit. Now you see like Georgiev in Colorado is a good example, a counter example where that has been done, right? Like the Rangers had Shesterkin and so they had a backup and they were willing to move him because they were able to get quite a lot of draft value. But it's not a but, common situation anymore. Well, that trade legitimately took them having a bona fide top three goalie, you know, in his prime. But like exceptional, like that's like borderline oh, yeah. exceptional circumstance at that point. Like, it, like it, most teams are not in that situation. Like, like so. Let's go through this because I, I pulled it up. You had thirteen goalies last year have fifty plus games started from from thirteen onward. John Gibson missed the playoffs. Anaheim was terrible. Carter Hart missed the playoffs. Philly was terrible. Darcy Kempfer. Missed the playoffs. Washington was terrible. Billy Huso missed the playoffs. Detroit was terrible. Jakob Markstrom missed the playoffs. <laughs> Calgary was terrible. Then you got Shesterkin. Then Jordan Bennington missed the playoffs. The St. Louis was terrible. Andre Vasilevsky, Ilya Sorokin, Jake Ottinger, Alex Georgiev, which honestly, like, I knew he had a decent season last year, but that actually surprised me. Like, he started 62 games last year. If anything, I'd say they burned him out heading into the playoffs i mean that was a wild workload considering his history yeah and then uc saros you know they burnt him out the season before they went with it he was still good but it wasn't enough to make the playoffs and then connor hellebuck was was this you know the he's we've talked about him before he he's good enough to just get them into the playoffs borderline on his own i'd, I'd argue he did that so by and large you're looking at what gibson hart Kemper. Uso, Markstrom, Bennington, Saros all missed the playoffs. So six out of thirteen for over fifty starts. Like what? Like what? What evidence would you have at this point to, if you can have like two pretty good guys that basically just play off each other? Why wouldn't you do that? Unless I think money would be the only reason. Yeah, and we saw that with Tampa Bay, for instance, right? Like Vasilevsky 
because he made so much money, they weren't able to have a sort of established backup goaltender and he got injured and they're forced to go with sort of unestablished options, which has worked out surprisingly well for them this season. But generally speaking, if you have that top, top goaltender, maybe you don't invest in a backup. And maybe if you get that backup with promise, you move them uh, like the Rangers did. But we're talking about, like you said, eliminate those seven guys who didn't necessarily play that well and their teams missed the playoffs, uh, Soros excluded, because he is an elite guy. And you're talking about, yeah, four, five, six guys who are in that position that are so strong and so reliable that their teams are willing to contemplate moving off depth behind them, and partly for financial reasons, because they don't want to pay two goaltenders. That's a hell of a tiny market to target, right? So as a result, this market that's been a big part of goalie trades for quite some time seems to be shutting down, which means the market you're left with is the, this team is rebuilding and it's no good, but our goaltender happens to be pretty good market. And that market's not non-existent, but it's not full of goaltenders either. Like you could look at John Gibson, that contract is a bit of a nightmare. Even if you got it retained, it's like, it's the term is quite a bit of a commitment and you know you're looking I don't even at think gibson's the starter in anaheim anymore oh like not anymore hostile, no right? yeah so like if the oilers went out and got gibson i don't think people would be like wow they solved their problem like gibson's a guy who's been i think kind of shell-shocked playing behind that ducks team for a couple of years it's hard to know what you're getting with him just as an example like carter hart his name comes up in rumors because the flyers aren't there yet like that is a guy who's going to cost you a ton potentially but there that's it and so to the a lot of teams that have good goaltenders generally speaking are at least on the fringe of the playoffs like you mentioned Connor Hellbuck like he drags the Jets to the playoffs fairly consistently like if you have that guy who's good enough to be worth something in a trade he's probably at least getting you to the fringes like Nashville missed the playoffs last season but thanks to Soros they were right there in the mix like without him there's a good chance that they would have been like not particularly close to make it a playoff. So if your only option for going to get a goaltender in the trademark is getting it from bad teams who have good goaltenders, again, like that is a very shallow market to be dipping into because if you have a good goaltender, again, this is oversimplifying the situation, but if you have a good goaltender, you're probably winning a few games. Like that, that's the real reality in the NHL. And, and even then, I, I, I think the, the feelings on goaltending change as, as the season goes along because in the off season, it wasn't like people were jumping over themselves to offer anything to the jets for Connor Hallibuck. And they were probably weary of paying them, but none of the conversation was, I don't think he's good. Like everyone knew he was good. I mean, no, it's all we have, we have seen teams bite the bullet on, bite the bullet on players to say, yeah, we'll bring him in. We know the bottom half of his contract is going to be terrible, but we're going to be a contender for those first few years. And it just kind of is what it is, but like, there's nothing worse than a bad goalie contract. Like nothing like that is, I mean, we're seeing it right now with Jack Campbell, like it cripples you. You you can't do anything. All you can do is what Edmonton just did is put him on waivers. Like you have no other, no one is taking them. You can't like eat half the salary. You can like, nothing like you you would have to grease up that trade so much to even oh, be disgusting a... like i saw rumors about like oh trading for carhartt and you include because the, the flyers were like willing to take bad contracts under the right circumstances guess what the right circumstance is you are putting an insane like if you're trading that contract and getting carter hart you want to know how insane that trade package is going to be it's going to be absolutely wild and yeah. it's uh 
yeah, it's it's very like last year, you know, the Kings had a rough goaltending situation. They got Corpusalo down the stretch and he was awesome for them. I think people are hoping they can do something like that. But when you do a move like that, you're really rolling the dice. You're like, oh, this guy is yet another goalie who might be fine. And then he overperforms like that. If your team like the Oilers, again, who's hoping to win a Stanley Cup, like that is, you know, it's not the most inspiring thing to do, even if that's what they might be forced to do is just kind of roll the dice on a guy who has been decent recently, which again, like that's a pretty scary prospect. And that's what happens come playoff time, right? It, it's that's why I was saying it changes because you go through it in the off season and teams are like, yeah, we'll see if, you know, if these guys will work, like, let's just split it. We'll just whatever, we, you know, that's what LA is doing right now. And they have, that's a cup contending roster. And they're like, yeah, let's just sign Cam Talbot. And, you know, we'll have like a veteran, like, you know, we'll plateau them. And it's like, all right, well, I guess we can find out on that side of things, but come playoff time, by and large, the team with the better goalie usually wins the playoff series. Like I think, I think that was a, a large reason why we saw Tampa just have like a dynasty type run in the cap era. So, you know, I mean, the Rangers lost last year. I mean, so did the Islanders. So it's not a you know a surefire way, but by and large, you're in the playoffs and you have the better goalie. You feel like you're in it. Absolutely. And the problem these days is getting that guy has become extremely difficult. In a season where it's fair to say that most Canadian NHL teams have been at least mildly disappointing, running in extreme contrast to that is your Vancouver Canucks, who are off to a franchise best start. We're talking 9-2-1, and one, an insane goal differential, the best offense in the NHL by goal scoring, one of the best by goal suppression. Like if you look at it at the most basic level, you would say the Vancouver Canucks look like a juggernaut right now. I don't think you or I believe that's true. Uh, and we can dive into that. But where are you with the Canucks in terms of your level and belief of belief in this team? I don't know, being a being a good team, being a playoff team, potentially having, you know, a little more juice than that. So, I mean, it, I mean, obviously they have the exceptional record. And so that just catapults you into much more favorable territory. Like, you know, you start off that hot, you give yourself yeah, a you real, banked it. right? Like it, there's no getting around that. It's just, you have that hot of a start and, and you're in and around it. And destiny in this sentence means making the playoffs, but they do feel a little team of destiny ish or like there's, there's more, more seasons than not. There's a team like this where you're just like, oh, the, like, they're not actually that good. You know, Seattle was that team last yeah, year. Yeah, because the Kraken are a perfect example, though. Right? Like, you just watch them, you're like, oh, Team of Destiny. Or, like, they're not actually that good. But they're. But the one thing I'll say for the Canucks, in comparison to even that Seattle team, is the Canucks do have legitimate horses at for sure. all three positions. Like, Demko is a horse. Like, he is a stud. At least, like, Pedersen is a one seed. Hughes is a 1D. So, you know, whereas Seattle had kind of everything go right, a bunch of guys blacked out, all, you know, they survived their goaltending, this, that, whatever. You look at Vancouver and go, well, if the other guys just just do just enough around a core that's actually pretty good, they're, they're a competitive team. That's the reality. Yeah, I think also people forget that last year – 
there's not too much would have had to go differently for this team to make the playoffs with that core. Like they, you know, Rick Tockett came on, they performed really well after he became the coach, the goaltending, you know, especially Spencer Martin was an absolute train wreck. Demko was not the guy he's traditionally been. And so there's sort of a world where they made the playoffs last year. And this feels like a great start, but a little less surprising. Now there's a lot going on right now. That's not going to continue, right? Like Demko has been, crazy Lights like out. he's been like Lights absolutely out. ridiculous and this is a guy who has consistently been good i would say but has rarely been unbelievable like his top vesna finish is seventh in his career again that's like that's a good result he's been sort of a 915 save percentage guy that's a good nhl goaltender i don't mean to diminish him but he has not really been a superstar maybe he's going to reach that level but even the level he's at now it just like it's not going to happen over a long period of time it's just we haven't seen that and Patterson and Hughes, i do think he's vesna caliber though to be like i think he's a vesna like he wouldn't if you told me he wins a vesna at some point in his career i wouldn't I'd be like, yeah, I can see it. Like, yeah, I mean, people have always been very high on his talent, and that's understandable. And I, I wouldn't push back on that too hard. It's just we haven't seen it from him yet, and we're a few years into his career. And like Pedersen and Hughes, I think there's interesting things going on with Hughes. Like he's never been a dangerous goal scorer. He's never been someone who looked for a shot that much. He's been more of a distributor, and he's He's scoring some goals. He's taking a lot more shots this year. He's looking like a more complete offensive threat, which is interesting. Pedersen looks great. We just kind of saw him last year take that next level. But those guys are both at the very top of the points leaderboard as well. Like JT Miller's also been way up there. Like Even though those guys are really, really good, they've still been you know better than it's fair to expect them to be going forward. You look at all the kind of possession numbers of this team, like expected goals, I think they're 44.02% as we record at even at five on five. Like that's not great. They're shooting like 13.3% at even strength as a team. Like, like save percentage is around 95%. Like it's, it's all wacky stuff that can't really continue to an extent. But as you said, the horses are there, which I think gives them this nice floor and I, like making the playoffs is not going to be difficult based on the start. Like once you bank this amount of points, you really don't have to be a good team from here on out to make the playoffs. And we, we touched on it when we talked about the Oilers early in the show, like the bar for the Pacific division for the Western conference doesn't seem to be scary high by any means. Like I still, you know, I don't think of the Canucks as a team on a level with the Golden Knights, the Avalanche, the Stars. No. Like I don't, I don't think that they're in that bracket by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, this is so much fun. Like I'm very happy for Canucks fans right now. Like watching this team pour in four and a half goals a night and Demko do all the stuff he's doing. Like being a Canucks fan right now must be unbelievably fun, and it's going to be a delight. And I know that you know some parts of Canada don't love Canucks fans in particular. What, but what parts are those, Nick? <laughs> a lot of them uh i'm willing to feel happy i'm willing to feel happy for them but it's even if they decline like there's just so much room for them to decline and still yeah. be basically fine which is yeah which is great news for a team that has made the playoffs extremely infrequently in recent seasons the west is just not deep like the the top half of the west is incredible you know colorado vegas dallas is like you wish there was one more of the of that caliber. I mean, maybe LA. If they, I think if LA fits, yeah, the, like get 
once they get the goal the goalie i think la's right there too like that's an unbelievable final four but the rest of it is is very much it's there's nothing special to it so you know to your point that vancouver getting off to the hot start and then like they just they don't have to play that well the rest of the way here but like is Pedersen going to average nearly two points a game all season probably not right like like you go down the line they're just again like there's so much error like there's so much that you look back and say like that's not real and it's going to come back to reality and that'll be that'll be the interesting thing like I I think this is something we'll circle back on at some point in the season like they're going to get like obviously all this stuff is going to stop at some point. Like not everything's going to go in. You're not going to be playing Edmonton where you're getting outshot 19 to seven and you're up three, one because you just like, every time you touch the puck, it's a goal. So what I think is eventually what we'll have to circle back on is they're going to get hit in the mouth. Like, the, like this is going to regress and they're going to go on some mini losing streak, potentially let's say three, four or five games. And can they work their way out of it and get things back on track when everything cools right down? And that there'll be that, that moment will happen at some point this year. Like it's not going to be this Cinderella. Like they just tear the league apart for 82. So whenever that happens, however they respond to that to me, will just kind of dictate whether they make the playoffs. It's either like it'll be the Brian Burke 18 wheeler off a cliff or they work themselves out of it and straighten the ship and they make the playoffs and probably lose pretty quickly. Yeah, I don't think either of us are going to predict some deep playoff run for this team, although you never know what can happen if, you know, if Demko has that Vezina caliber season, stays extremely hot. One thing I'll be watching with them is the power play because the power play has been really, really good so far this season, over 30%. And when you have those horses, that top end talent, and they are clicking and Hughes in particular seems to be clicking at kind of a different level. Maybe they can use that to help keep them afloat a little before. Like they, they had a pretty good power play last year, but if they are really at the top of the league with this group, which based on some of the talent they have, like Pedersen's shot is a menace and he's an incredible distributor. Like there just is the talent there to have That's a legit unit. That yeah. Is to a have that unit. unit really help carry them that can help them navigate some of those choppy waters, navigate some of those games where they aren't reliably carrying the play, uh, which has been the pattern so far. I don't see, yeah, I don't see this 18-wheeler going off a cliff. I also don't see this team winning like 60 games and uh, hoisting the Stanley Cup with a goal differential of like 300. Um, They're coming after Boston. They're coming after Boston. (laughs) There's plenty of room in between. And I think, again, if you're a Canucks fan right now, This is absolutely fantastic. And from here on out, there's a really good chance that this team makes the playoffs, which is what you wanted. Coming into the year, if you're a Canucks fan, if you're the franchise, the step you wanted this team to take was make the postseason. And there's an extremely good chance they do that. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.